0: It's, it. it's clean Comedy Time! Welcome to the Clean Comedy Time Podcast.
1: I'm Aaron Sorrels.
0: And I'm Brian Atkinson.
1: Today, our guest
0: is Derek Lee Feltner. Derek is originally from Takansha, Michigan, in the Michiana area, and he makes his home to beautiful Portage, Michigan, which is really close to Kalamazoo. And uh, we are so excited to talk to him today about the good. The bad and the funny. <laughs> so I
2: wanna I wanna address the obvious elephant in the room. Derek. Derek. No, I am I am not single. <laughs> That's right. Somebody lock this down. <laughs> I'm going to start off tonight by doing my son's favorite joke. He's
0: he's two. I've listened to that clip a half dozen times, and every time you tell your son's favorite joke, I crack up. I can't help myself.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Derek. Yes, Derek, welcome. We're glad to have you here, or should I say?
2: Oh.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Brian. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. So, yeah. I'll send I mean, it right you're a, back. You're a
0: pro, man. You've you've obviously done this for a while. So your your son, he was two when he wrote that. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah. I, how old is he now?
3: Uh he just turned three in January, um, a few months ago.
0: Okay, cool. So, so driving, I don't have any children, so I don't I don't know, you know, what happens at what age or anything. So assuming he's you know, you know I I think it might even
1: be funnier later on when you say he's fourteen.
0: <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, his uh his favorite joke now is just to uh to tell me that by the time I'm able to get back up on stage Will, he will have forgotten how much of a failure I am?
2: Sorry.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that comedy boy, so, boy, uh, he's it he sounds like he's a yeah. pretty tough crowd. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I cannot hold a candle to Blippy at all in <laughs> <laughs> his eyes. <laughs> that's that's
0: fair. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Derek, again, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And if the audience who's listening has um, not seen uh, Derek Lee Feltner do a show there. There's so much of what you do that is visual. Um, can I use the term deliciously awkward? <laughs> is-
3: yeah, that would, that would be fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you, you know, when I got to chime in on the deliciously
1: awkward part because Derek, the first time I saw you was actually with laugh fest and you were the first comedian I had ever seen leave the room during your set you, you actually laughed and the audience was just sitting there not knowing what to do and then you know what about 45 seconds later which is an eternity in in stage time uh, you sure. came back in and everybody erupted with joy and laughter and applause
3: <laughs> yeah I've uh you know as as the as you guys said my show is very visual um I've always thought the idea of Giving a comedian um, time on stage is is really an amazing thing, and um, I love the fact that I can do what I want in that space and that time, and that that's where I have kind of come up with some of these ideas um, that I do, as, you know, visually, like leaving the stage. Which you know, for most comedians, that would be a death sentence. You would you would never do that. Yeah. Why would
0: why you don't want to sacrifice you? a second of your time? Yeah.
3: And to me, I actually like those. The, those very long, um, you know, kind
1: of drawn
0: out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll edit out some of these awkward no, silences. No, no, not. That's the delicious part.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I find myself very purposefully <laughs> not interrupting the silence. <sighs> <sighs>
3: um, like I, I've always, you know, like stuff like that, and um, a, lo- a lot of the ideas I've I've had have come from. Uh, Years earlier in my life, I played in bands and the the complete hysterical comedy that goes into being a band that is never really talked about, you right. know, um, <laughs> like just the, the concept of some of the things that in a band you do on stage and they're seen as like these great, amazing things. But if you transpose those to comedy, they can actually be very hilarious and uncomfortably awkward, <laughs> which is where I drew a lot of my inspiration for some of the, the visual things that I do, um, you know, a, a, a lead singer in a band can scream, how's everybody doing tonight? And get a, an, you know, eruption of response, but a comedian can do that and they can just be, you know, a pin drop because <laughs> <laughs> they're just, you know, the audience just does not want to have it. And I just, yeah, I, that's so fun and, and a weird kind of way to look at things, you know, like if I had a guitar plugged into an amp, you know, playing ACDC, if you will, people would be like, yeah, that guy's, that guy's ripping. That's awesome. But if it's just me on stage doing that, it's like, wait, what, what, what is this guy doing? <laughs> what, what is he doing? I like this, I think. <laughs> no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> that is that is exactly how I feel about it. It's, I like this, I think. <laughs> yeah. That's great. It's,
3: it's,
1: that could be another uh sticker for you, Derek.
3: <laughs> I like this, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the the uh the, the stickers that I make now that say stop doing comedy, that's <laughs> that's pulled directly from um an audience member that saw one of my earlier shows and it was it's <laughs> You know, I did a show (laughs) uh, in Grand Rapids, um, and you know, it's like a year into doing comedy, and some of the jokes that I was doing were, you know, they've they've definitely went away since then. But uh, this drunk girl came up to me after the after the show. It was like an open mic, and as they do, and she, you know, she came up to me and she's just like, "So you're the guy with the guitar?" (laughs) And I said, "Yes." She goes, "Okay." So I just want to let you know that that that, that you should just stop doing comedy. <laughs> and I shook her hand and said thank you. And I immediately wrote that down in my book. <laughs> and, and then um, you know, months, months later, I was talking to another comedian friend of mine and we were discussing the the kind of the concept of the how some comedians think it's very hacky to have merchandise.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: As for me, coming from a, you know a band background, that's like that's just smart business. You know, if you do a show and aren't paid, if you have something to sell, sell your wares get some gas money, get some food money. Like, um, so when we were talking about that, I just like, well, you know, I should just make, I should just make stickers like that. That would be fun, or I should make buttons. That'll be fun, and. Uh, When I realized, you know, looking through the pictures I had of myself, I'm like, okay, these are just kind of normal pictures. That's not really going to, that's not going to sell itself. Um, And then I was just looking in my book and I came across that, that line that I wrote down, stop doing comedy. I'm like, you know, I'll just, I'll just do that. Um, And it's just been something I've been using since then, almost like as a mantra. Um, Like it sounds very negative to stop doing comedy. Um, but it also allows me to keep thinking no i'm i'm going to keep trying and exploring the options of of performance and and ideas because that 's what that 's what creative people, regardless of what level they 're at, should be trying to do they shouldn 't be stopping they should keep going so uh,
0: when I see that and and have heard you say it, I always think of it as you know kind of that that rebel yell kind of um you know, a person on stage, you know, in an open mic or in a comedy show. And clearly the the reason they're there is to do comedy. But they are, you know, like rebelling against the man or the system or the, you know, pick your poison there and, and you know, stop doing comedy. Um it, that's how it's always uh, felt to me uh, I don't know if, if that resonates with you at all or, or or not
3: I know that what I do is not for everybody and and that's and that's fine and that's great and that's one of the best things about comedy is there's just so many different kinds of it out there mm-hmm. um, but to me like for every drunk person that's ever had that mindset to me about that guy should stop doing what he's doing mm-hmm. Those are the people that I'm like, oh, you, you would be the person that if you were like heckling me or, you know, giving me dirty looks because you don't actually know how to heckle me because of what you're watching. Um, like those are the people I, I almost get more enjoyment seeing that reaction in audience because like, oh, that person wants to ruin it for everybody. OK, I, I want to I want to make it really bad for for them and not even go after them directly, just be like, oh, you don't like that it's a lot of pauses and quiet and silence and (laughs) visual things. Okay, well, I'm just going to turn that up even more.
0: (laughs) Well, in your first clip that we played, uh, you had a guy in the audience uh, chanting your name. And um, in our second clip here, let's see if we can uh, hear him some more.
2: (laughs) Is there a more bittersweet feeling than finding the closest parking spot at your gym? (laughs) (laughs) when I was nine years old I fell down a well it was on my birthday I didn't wish for that so I work at a call center because I have the looks and clearly the voice Thanks, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks,
0: Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old face for radio joke. I, uh, I, I have used that on stage for myself on a number of occasions because I'm telling a story about, you know, actually working on the radio. But um, it, when you get a guy like that, you just handled him so deftly. And, um, but <laughs> it made it funny for everybody else. It worked so well.
3: When I've been heckled, like, you know, I, I think that guy was definitely in the category of, hey, guys, look at what I'm doing. I'm, I'm helping the show.
0: Yeah.
1: And,
3: and that's fine. I think there is a place for that. There's a lot of comedians who kind of foam at the mouth about that opportunity for someone like that. Cause they can just like, you know, just go in hard on them with just whatever insults or, you know, the nectar they want to use. But, um, you know, I was heckled one time I did a joke where I like I had put my head down and this guy sitting at this front table goes, grow more hair. <laughs> oh jeez so yeah right like first of all that's a very specific habit, yeah. like, even about the joke that's really about me so um I, I you know I had another joke I was gonna do and I was just like I, I just stopped and I, I looked at the audience and you know I thanked everyone in the audience it's like in the middle of my set like I wasn't even close to being done so sure in the middle of my set I just started thanking the audience <laughs> And then I pointed at the table the guy was at with his wife. And I said, I want to thank my parents for coming out tonight.
0: Perfect. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then I just basically, for about 30 seconds, um, emphasized a non, like not even real story to these people, because they're not my parents, obviously. <laughs> but I just talked about how, you know, how much of a, uh, a disappointment I had become in their eyes. And just talked about like the job that my dad wanted me to have, like he had at the mill. And, you know, know, I hung up my, you know, I hung up my hard hat with the light on it and, and, you know, and my respirator and I pursued comedy and the arts in theater. And, you know, he had told me after I started comedy, uh, he took me aside and, whispered very gently into my ear that uh, he wished that I had never been born. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I said it like that as if it was like a proud thing he had said. And, yeah. you know, the audience just <laughs> ate that up. And then that table of yeah. that guy and that woman, they didn't say a peep. The rest of that <laughs> table, a comedian that was on stage.
0: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I wouldn't think so.
3: <laughs> and, you know, some people might think, oh, that's that's pretty dark to go. But, you know, um, that guy heckled. Not what I was doing, but but actually me, and so that that opens it up to be heckled directly back. Yeah, um, and I didn't have to swear at him, and I didn't yeah. have to, you know, <laughs> make fun of something about him. I just went, <laughs> I just put him in the place of a parent as if he was mine, mm-hmm. and you know, said how much of a disappointment he thought I was. Yeah, and then that just you know, yeah, it was great because in the rest of the night he just didn't say anything, and then. After the show, again, like a like a drunk person came up and he's like, "Really glad I was able to help you out with your show tonight." Like, (laughs) you you definitely did, sir. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, the the idea of the way that I've heard you do that, and then this story as well, it's it's that you you kill them with kindness, or or perhaps slaughter is a better word. Um, but you're you're not just you know you're not burning them. You're you're absolutely bringing them into the show farther. Um, oh yeah. Because, you know, here they are sitting in th- at their table and just, you know, kind of lobbing things at you, you know, the, the fruit and, and rotten tomatoes and things like that to, you know, try to, you know, either they think they're helping or are they trying to hurt you or they're showing off for their friends or whatever they're doing. And you just bring them in and, and the audience then gets to see how, wonderfully prepared you are for that. But of course it sounds like it's all uh, right on the spot and uh, that's magic. That is absolutely magical.
3: You know, when people see the show uh, that I put on, I I do my best to present it as if what they're seeing is, is a, is a, is just a train wreck, you know, just an absolute, just, (laughs) you know, what, what's going on, you know? Um, (laughs) When something like that happens, it's like, uh, oh, oh, uh, like with people that do that, um, I think a lot of it spans. I saw a comedy special um, once where a female comedian, she was just like crushing it. And then someone started kind of talking and she like started calling them out and obviously just went in hard. Mm. And she's like this, you know, hey, this, you know, this ain't Netflix at home. You know, uh, this is right here in front of you. Like you can't. You can't say something and not expect to, you know, be called out. I think there's a lot of people who sit in an audience and think they have, you know, almost guarded anonymity to where they can say something. And and they'll be like, yeah, you see what I said to that guy? And yeah, but there's a person with a microphone who's much louder than you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they've and spent if, years training themselves to do this.
3: <laughs> or if they haven't spent years training themselves to do this, they've spent years being... Bullied, (laughs) right? right. That's probably more accurate, yeah. And already know, like, oh, I've heard this before, yeah, from the other side, I have a response for that, yeah. Well, Derek, (laughs) it's nice to
1: hear you describe that though, because it's like when you the responses that you've just described, uh, it's not like you're trying to get the better of the audience member, you're just trying to not allow them to get the better of you, you know. You're, you're wanting to propel the show forward in a funny and enjoyable way for everybody there.
3: Yeah. Most open mics, um, which are great to do, uh, to hone your jokes and skills and everything, and everyone still does them. I, I think the downside is is there's a lot of people who go to those um who are not going there to be an audience member. They're going to, cause it's usually at a bar, they're going to the bar to drink and they're like, Oh, that's happening now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, Oh, that's like karaoke. I'll just go chime in when I want. No, it's, you know, yeah. it's a comedy show. And, um, I've seen where comedians have not let an audience member get a word in and, you know, say very mean and, you know, borderline threatening things. And, uh, it's it's weird cuz i think with comedy when it's done when it's done the right way where it seems effortless people who watch it think oh anyone can do that and then because of that they don't have to respect it
2: mm-hmm. so
3: that's when you get people heckling or talking over or you know give me the microphone i'll tell a joke
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, okay so the better you are the less people think you're good at it <laughs>
3: Oh yeah. I've, I've thought that for a long time. That's one of the main reasons I don't like, uh, you know, Steve Vai, he's just too good on guitar. Oh,
0: clearly. Yeah.
3: He's like so good that you're like, that's, that's painfully good, man. Just, mm. uh, just stop,
0: stop playing guitar. Stop <laughs> playing guitar. Let me take you back to, uh, just a band experience and like the, the crossover from band into comedy and, you know, the different stages, um, or the different ways that you, um, you know develop on on stage there was there um a time when you were um thinking more along the lines of i want to do this not that or this just naturally led into that or how did that work for you
3: when i was in a band one of my biggest like peeves of being in a band was if you were on a show with like four or five bands is if the first or second band which were usually like newer bands who were just, you know, put on the show to, to, to open. Um, when they would finish, you could always tell the level of professionalism a band was at if they finished and the drummer immediately stood up and started taking the wing nuts off of his cymbal stands and taking the cymbals off the stands. Mm-hmm. Whereas a professional drummer, when the show's done, he picks up his stands, gets it off the stage as fast as possible. Cause he knows there's another band trying to get on stage equally as fast and set up to to play a show for hopefully the remaining audience that hasn't left since the last band played. So um, that always annoyed me playing in bands, watching a drummer just take forever to tear down his kit or try to actually take his whole drum kit apart on stage, as opposed to taking it still together off the stage and then disassembling it away from where the bands are playing. So that inspired basically all of the, the slow burn of setting up when I go <laughs> up on stage, sure. Because you know, and and I've heard other comedians tell me this, like you know, your set would be pretty good if you just you know got to it faster. And I,
0: <laughs> you're missing the point.
3: And I've thought about that. I'm like, but wait, you remember that part? Yeah. You don't. Rem- you didn't even focus on the jokes. You just remember that opening part. Yeah. Which other people were laughing at, and you were just focusing on that. So I as a performer, I've done my job where I've tunneled my way into your brain where you're like, there's this guy that just like set up for a minute and a half. He didn't even tell a joke. And then he had like three minutes left and then he left the stage. (laughs) Yeah. He only told like three or four jokes. It's like, okay, but if a, you could have thought it was funny. Awesome. If you do B, you remember that and you will remember that. Um, So that's, the set of thing that came from playing in bands and watching people just take forever to get ready. And that used to annoy me when I was a band in a band. Um, now, since I'm the one doing it, it, it makes me laugh inside. Cause I'm like, man, people are probably like, what is he doing? Would he just tell a joke? <laughs> <laughs> My drink's getting low. I need to hear some, something funny. <laughs> um, and then uh, I always thought it was funny or I always as an audience member, when I would watch bands, I always thought it would be funny, or I always thought it was funny when bands, like the lead singer or the guitarist who did back up, would like kind of walk around with his guitar, like making faces. Just like, yeah, I see what I'm playing. And he'd just be playing like standard chords, not even solo, <laughs> just chords.
0: The, it's the rhythm guitar.
3: And yeah. and I love, you know, because if I did that, if I just walked around the stage with a microphone, just smiling. <laughs> And bobbing my head, which I've done a couple of times. (laughs) The look is like, what, what is going, what, what is this? You know, um, there's, there's so many weird things about band stuff that again, if it's in a band setting, it's cool. But if you put it in context with comedy, it's just instantly awkward or weird or ultimately funny, hopefully, but just definitely like, there's nothing sexy about comedy.
2: <laughs> I, I, you know, there's, there's another
1: like, uh, sticker for you.
3: Yeah, it's, it's you know, like stop being sexy. I, stop being sexy. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's what I've always thought about with like band stuff. Is like the the stuff I do now is is heavily influenced by the stuff I saw that annoyed me when I was in a band, but now. I'm not in a band, so it doesn't annoy me. It's awesome.
1: Well, you, you know, the times that I've seen you perform, you, your ability to just embrace that awkwardness and that tension, uh, it's, it's just incredible. And it does, it takes the audience through this, uh, through this exponential increase of, uh, you know, not knowing what's coming up and, and discomfort to where the only outlet is eventual laughter. And you talk about that minute and a half of setup, where you're doing different things, uh, setting up, and and the audience just is usually cracking up, laughing before you've even introduced yourself or said a word.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, my wife she can't she can't watch my shows. She watch my shows. <laughs> uh, it makes her so uncomfortable. Um, and That's a win. <laughs> that the times that she has been at shows, I've, I've I've definitely pushed that even further as far as the uncomfortable uncomfort level um because you know to her she you know she is um same age as me so she grew up uh, her dad loved like george carlin and um you know guys like that and then so she is familiar with like oh a comedian gets on stage and just bangs out like you know 50 or 70 just you know amazing things and then with what i do she's just like could could you please just start talking just
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man um (laughs) i uh imagine that um you know that's a a persona that you can turn on and off at home um you know kind of when she's not looking um and you know just with a look you can you know kind of get under her skin a little bit. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just something I would do if I had that
3: uh... <laughs> Oh, I've definitely um I've definitely fell into that occasionally and she'll like give you this look like I, I know what you're doing. So just <laughs> just just yeah. stop.
0: I, I I I'm gonna look forward to when uh your son gets older and starts to pick up on it more. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: Which I, I think I think with him, if he, if he gets that type of way, that that'll be hilarious. But, um, he's, he's a very, I mean, he's only three, so, you know, it's just pure energy. So he's very much like, uh, Jim Carrey in the mask, just like Mm -hmm. he has the mask on just full bore all the time, silly, crazy laughing maniacally almost. And, um, it's great. It's, it's it's the the best thing ever
2: as i said i'm a father Uh, some people say when when did you know that you were a father Uh, i know for some it's the first time that they hold their child Uh, for me the moment i knew i was a father was the moment that i bought my jeans at sam's club (laughs) (laughs) seven pair for twenty (laughs) dollars i on a roll. <laughs> so the locks on my car don't work right now. So whenever I go places, I just roll in my driver's side window all the way down and dump broken glass next to my car. That's called a light pack.
0: Uh, and you then you string those together almost as if to prove, no, I can tell jokes. Yeah. I, I choose not to at other times.
3: Those are both, um, you know, I think some of the best jokes uh, that anyone can write come from like real life. and, And those definitely came from it. Uh, that was a comment that my wife had made to me. Um, after our son was born, she had texted me. She's like, Hey, I got you some jeans. And I was like, Oh, that's great. And she came home with them and they were Levi's. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's so rad. Like, Levi's was great. She's like, yeah, I got him at Sam's Club, and I was like, what? And then she <laughs> went into this big, you know, detailed story of like how much she paid for him because being in the Midwest, yeah, you, tell, you don't tell anyone that you bought something without telling them how much you got it for. What
0: <laughs> kind of a yeah. deal? Yeah.
3: And so I just, you know, that kind of stuck in my head. And then, um, like, I, I was talking to another friend of mine who was a dad, and that conversation came up. He was just like, he's like, yeah, man, we're dads now. And then he was like, when, like, when did you, when did you start feeling like a dad? And then like the light bulb went off
2: Mm. (laughs)
3: those two things together and, you know, filed it away in my brain so I could write it down later. And then the, um, the broken glass in the car, that's, (laughs) that's a real thing that happened to um, my first roommate, her boyfriend. um, He didn't have enough money to, to get his car fixed. Um, So he didn't have a window like the the driver's side window got broken. Like he like went somewhere and someone broke it, but he didn't have money to get it fixed. So whenever he would park at our apartment complex, he would just dump broke. He would dump (laughs) glass that he had in the car still next to it. And then just come in our apartment. And the first time I saw it, I asked him like, what's that about? He goes, Oh, if someone sees that, they're not going to go near my car. They'll They'll just assume it's already been picked over. Yeah and oh did i
1: never that. in my wildest thought that that was a true story that's, <laughs>
0: oh that's great and i thought it had to be because
3: and i remember asking him like that okay like aren't you worried he's like no man if someone sees that they'll just think the cars are it's not like he drove a nice looking car anyway so that just kind of added to it but yeah that's what he did i mean he and then Surprisingly enough, the day that his car got stolen from our parking lot, um, <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't even surprised. I'm like, how they steal it? He's like, well, you know, the key was still in. I'm like, the key was still. In. <laughs> Like, dude, all people that leave their windows rolled down with the keys in it is a drug dealer. <laughs> because people would know, don't mess with that car. That belongs to a drug dealer. If this movie, but in real life, that probably wouldn't happen. But uh, yeah, that that guy, uh, yeah, he was he was something. Um,
0: well, the time has come on our little podcast to take a break, but we'll be right back. Be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, so it's easier for people to find us and like us on all your podcast favorites. We'll be right back.
1: This pandemic has shown that nobody knows what tomorrow will bring.
0: It's changed comedy. We miss performing in person.
1: We're looking forward to laughing together again just as soon as it is safe and appropriate to do so. So what are we doing about that?
0: Well, we are booking live shows for future dates. And while we ramp up, we're waiving deposits and cancellation fees. So contact us today to bring clean
1: comedy time to your local comedy club, church, corporate event, or fundraiser. Whatever you
0: got, we can be there. We are easy to find at cleancomedytime.com. Until then, stay home, stay safe, wear a mask, and wash your hands.
1: Derek, uh, w- welcome back. Uh, so glad to uh, laugh with you a bit in that first half. I uh, To be honest, I, I usually don't laugh quite that hard through the first half of these, but uh, that was super funny. But this podcast is about more than just the funny. It's about the good and the bad as well. So uh, what's yeah. what's going well in your life right now, Derek?
3: Um, You know, uh, you know, I'll, I'm working from home like a lot of people are, and um, I- I'm fortunate to have been able to work throughout the entire pandemic. So there was never um, any type of, you know, fear at home as far as bills being paid and things like that. So that's been uh, as annoying as some days are working, you know, that's been still a positive thing because it's still, you know, paying the bills and keeping the lights on, as they say. So that's, that's been one positive thing. And then um, comedy related wise, um, I've been able to be a part of a handful of like online comedy festivals that have, obviously happened during the pandemic to to keep people being able to perform and perform for people. And that's been really great. I, I did one uh, last month um, for, it's called, it was called AMG and it's like they they do yeah. it like every every few months. And I submitted to be a part of it, to get to try it in literally on a whim, just like, Oh, that sounds, that sounds cool. I'll send them a clip. No, no real thought of getting, selected to compete and then they're like, Oh, you're in. This is the show and I did it and then they're like, oh hey, you made it past that round. It's like, oh okay. I and then I made it past the next round. And I got up to the semifinals, which was a an improv show, which was fun. Like I, I've done improv before, but it just it wasn't uh wasn't meant to be. I didn't I didn't make it past semifinals, but for just throwing my my hat in there literally out of nowhere, it felt pretty cool to to be able to go forward and um, interact with comedians from like all over the world. There was people from, you know, Israel and people from uh, Spain and people from Australia and, you know, other parts of Europe. And then obviously here in the States, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. Um, I think I was the only Kalamazoo, Michigan resident. So that was kind of cool or, or Michigan person. Um, So that, that, that felt cool. And then uh, I've just been, um, Working on other, like, online stuff, I I put out a cassette tape during the pandemic of uh, (laughs) uh, um, improvisational drum noise, comedic performance, um, guitar, bass, craziness, I guess, is the way to describe it. Is that the working title? Uh, No, the album title was, um, This Is Not a Comedy Album, (laughs) Let's Get Drunk and Watch Congo.
1: (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
3: Well, that, that's, that's
1: commendable, man. Uh, it's It sounds like uh, through this pandemic, uh, you've been able to maintain a sense of security or a sense of stability. Uh, and at the same time, you've been able to find uh, ways and outlets to express yourself creatively, which is obviously very important to you.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, and the online shows have been great just as far as being able to, to get to go through, um, you know, I hate to say going through the motions, but literally being able to like stand up out of a chair and do comedy in front of, you know, even if it's a zoom meeting to people that that's really great. Um, I definitely am looking forward to being able to be on a a stage again in front of uh, people again. Um, I think we all are. Um, I have a, like I have an online show, um, next Tuesday for, um, a comedy festival called the good karma comedy festival. And, Again, it was one of those things that they were taking submissions and I sent my clip and they said I got in. And there's part of me that thinks, oh, are these online shows impressed with what I'm doing or are they needing to fill seats or spots? I mean, and um, when I've talked to my wife about it, she's like, well, they can't just be filling spots. Like they would be, if, they, if that was the case, it would just be, they would just take any clip that somebody sent. So she's like, stop getting inside your head like that. Like they selected you for a reason. Be happy they selected you for a reason
1: well and, 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 then, and see there when it the the format or the the art of stand-up comedy okay. in general at least from my perspective doesn't translate real well to online or, or digital um, it's you know in the, in its purest form but you like you described earlier and you you do performance art you know you're not getting up and doing straight Uh, stand up you're getting up and you're creating these what's the term you used earlier Brian deliciously awkward (laughs) yeah you're creating these deliciously awkward moments that uh, I think that would translate and 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 I think Derek that these people that are making the decisions they're looking at you they're looking at what you have and they're saying this is something that's going to
3: add to the experience of this festival thank you um the, the one I did for AMG, there was a, a moment where I, f- I felt like uh, wh- what I was doing did translate um, via the Zoom meeting. There was a part where um, the host was like, all right, and now we're going to Derek Lee Feltner in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And when it cut to my screen, I was literally like, my face was like right up in my, <laughs> my phone, And I just sat there and I was like, can you guys hear me? <laughs> And that just like got an immediate laugh, and then I was like, Hel- "Hello,"
2: <laughs> and,
3: and then I was like, "Hi, I'm I'm Derek Lee Feltoner from Kalamazoo, Michigan." And then I, you know, stood up and I had my my stuff all set up with my uh, my sign that says my name and everything, so everyone knew who I was again. <laughs> um, it was it was cool because um, the only thing I wish I could have been able to figure out is. Uh, a friend of mine who like does computer stuff. I had met- messaged him after the fact. I was like, "Hey, if you if you know a way that I can make my screen purposely glitch, <laughs> 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 like if I have like a bad, like I have a bad internet connection, or if it just if it pauses on my face and you can only hear the audio, like I'm just <laughs> still, but the audio is still happening." And he's like, "No, I don't have a a for sure way of doing that." He goes, "Why don't you just stand still?" <laughs> And I just have like the audio already pre-recorded. And so um, I'm trying to figure out how to do that without showing, you know, showing my hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's an idea that's on the back burner that I want to try eventually with a, an online show.
0: Okay. I just got to throw this out there. If you um, did a, uh, a background image of you just standing there (laughs) and then were off screen and just delivered your audio but there was this unmoving picture of you.
1: <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And then maybe you could
0: step into the frame.
1: Or, right. uh, what a,
3: if it was even more obnoxious where it was like a cardboard cutout of myself? There you go. Yeah. That's yeah.
1: that's good.
0: Also fun.
3: And I
1: can see saying,
0: Derek, You got options.
1: I could tell you for sure. I'm not a cat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Definitely not a cat. <laughs> uh, Derek, i i just got a question because this kind of came up while we were talking it was, it occurred to me that um when a an mc announces you would you rather or do you find it more helpful or useful or to to have them just really pump up like here comes the greatest comic you've ever heard in your entire life you cannot believe this the um the life changing experience you're <laughs> about to have from listening and watching derek Lee feltner, and then so, you just do your show um i I kept thinking that if if I were MCing your show, I would want to be ready for that, and I would want to just give it the greatest build up uh that anyone's ever had
3: um so I have had that happen a couple of times, mm-hmm. and it's uh it's usually been at shows where the person did not know what I did. Right. (laughs) Of course. Um, They just saw the guitar and they saw like all my stuff and they're like, Oh, this is, Oh, this is probably (laughs) next level, like Gallagher level stuff. (laughs) And they, and you know, they would be like pumping it up so much. And they would like take those big, like Derek, like I'm like a freaking professor coming out and then I come out and do my show. And then that would definitely get a big laugh, you know, and And that's great, but also um I've had shows where someone under sold it, and it was also just as funny just as good um, and there's there's also a thing I've done um it's only happened three times, and this is uh this is definitely peeking behind the curtain, so to speak so uh Derek Lee feltner is what I prefer to be called on stage um i I don't go by that in real life it's just derek my name's Derek Feltner. that's what I go by that. That's my full legal name, Derek Lee Feltner. Oh, sure. I've done shows where if someone's introduced me as Derek Feltner, it's a completely different person that goes out there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, it, it happened once uh, in Kalamazoo at Louis. Uh, Joe who was the old host there. Um, he, he just introduced me as Derek Feltner because we had been talking. And I mean, he knows who I am, but so it wasn't like he did it on purpose. And huh. I was just like, okay, I'm okay. Then I can't do what I was going to do. I can't do what I would wow. normally do. Wow. So I went out, and for my five minutes, I told a story as if I had just got off the phone with my wife, and that she, you know, had found somebody else.
2: Oof.
3: Oof. You know, but, you know the the whole story was like, you know, I guess I got off the phone. I just got off the phone, and um, it, it's I'm not the one. I'm not the person. I'm not. I'm not the person anymore. You know, I'm not the. I'm not the one. And you know, I'm I'm trying to figure that out, guys. You know, it, it's it's horrible. Like I've, I thought I was. I'm not. They said they said I'm not on the phone. They just leveled with me. They're like, you're no longer the one. And you know, it, it, it's terrible, guys. Because I want I wanted to be the one. I, that's what I tried to be, but I wasn't. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't the twelfth caller. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I don't know if you know what that feels like to not be the 12th caller, because when you try so hard only to come up short and not be the 12th caller for that box set that you have wanted mm. for mm. so long. So that that went on for like five minutes. Sure. And then the, the best part is the whole time I'm doing it, I'm looking over at Joe he thinks it's real. <laughs> <laughs> the look he gave me was like, I'm watching a person have a mental breakdown sure. at my show. And then he's probably thinking like, Oh my God. Like, how do I, how do I get the audience back after, the, after Derek, <laughs> like Derek's life is going to just complete garbage on in front of everyone.
2: Yeah. And then
3: I said, you know, I wasn't the 12th caller and everyone took a big sigh of, like, <laughs> sure. let their brain, like Oh, no. Oh, good. It's not real. Oh, it's not real. Yeah. Um, but I've also done, you know, the other times where someone didn't say my full name, I just went full. I guess you could say full uh, Tony Clifton, you know, like just, yeah. you know, Andy Kaufman's alter ego just went full. Like, nope, you're not getting the normal. Right. <laughs> felt, nope. Yeah. yeah. Because you didn't say my name right.
1: Well, and it's, you know, you talk about that, uh, you know, that dynamic of the audience believing it. You know, I, the, the times that I've seen it, that it's been very effective. The audience all the way through it is going, is this a bit? Is this kid about to lose it? Is, you know, is he so nervous that he can't handle it? You know, like they, all those questions are running through their mind. Who put this guy on the stage? <laughs> right, right, right. Why would they do that to him? You know, and that, <laughs> he's, clearly, he's clearly not cut out for this. Yeah. Tate Mitaro and one of her specials, she does I mean, it, it feels like 15 minutes at the end where she's going back and forth on, on whether or not uh uh anybody know the band? Uh,
3: the the band the, the,
1: the, the band that uh uh shoot uh i forgot the name of the band but but she goes this this makes for really good radio or podcasting (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to say the dixie chicks but it's definitely not the dixie chicks but some band that she really loves there she's she goes back and forth with the audience for about 15 minutes saying that they're about to come out as a surprise performance and then yanking the rug out from underneath them and saying how could they be back there they're not back there and and just goes back and (laughs) forth and back and forth and it's it's very much in the spirit of what you do you know just leaving the audience wondering what is happening is this really gonna come through but
3: i I think uh, audiences can appreciate i know i would if i was watching something that really took me on an up and down journey, not necessarily just a straightforward like airplanes, right? Wow, uh, who, who likes who likes uh, experimenting with cannabis, right? <laughs>
2: you
3: guys, ever watch adult movies? That's a, a topic that we can all agree on, right?
0: That is all of the comedy I've heard at open mic so far. You're you're killing it. You're <laughs> yeah, just yeah, yeah, and killing it.
1: So that is uh, wonderful to hear some of those things that are going well and ways that you're able to s- continue to express yourself and new opportunities that are coming up. What's uh, what's something that you might be struggling with, Derek?
3: Since I can't perform on stage or, I mean, really do anything because of, of the pandemic and the – it's not even like a fear of the, of the COVID virus or anything like that. It's just, you know, things aren't the way they were. Um, there's definitely days where uh, – a lot of them where it's just – um, borderline crippling anxiety and depression for me, where um, like I, I don't feel like I'm doing enough um, creatively, or doing enough, you know, for my family, or doing enough for my friends. Like I'm not reaching out to them enough, uh, and I know, or I felt, or I feel burnout from working, and you know, every day being like, oh, stuff's still not open, and I know a lot of people are struggling with that. But um, it's definitely caused me to, you know, I've written a lot of ideas down during uh, the over the year that we've had with the pandemic. And some of them I look back on like, Oh, that's, that's something I could probably use in the future. And then there's other ones where I'm like, wow, that literally is a day where it's, it was just a dark gray. Nothing feels good about my life type of day, you know? Um, But I have, you know, I have outlets that I use. Um, thankfully, with, with my job and, and my wife's job also, you know, we, we do have the health, uh, health insurance that's strong enough to where I can reach out to uh, professionals if I need it. And I, I have to talk to people. Um, I know once I'm able to get back up on stage, a lot of my anxiety and stress and depression will will diminish because I'll be around people who are comedians also and people that I haven't seen in over a year. Um, and it's, uh, like that's been really rough. Um, the, the biggest kind of positive that I have, um, besides from the medical side is, you know, my wife and my, my son who I just love so dearly. Um, they, they make me want to be here. Um, and, uh, Like, you know, every day that I'm I I get to see them, it's it's it makes the day that might feel really, really tough uh, easier because, you know, I I get to see them.
1: And thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Derek. The uh, the feelings of crippling anxiety and depression. You know, unfortunately, through this, that's become commonplace uh, with with a lot of us. And, um, you know, that hearing you talk about that helps me a little bit, helps me to know that, uh, there are other people that are experiencing, uh, some similar stuff. So I, I appreciate, uh, you sharing that and man, I'm so happy for you that you've got the relationship with your wife and the relationship with your son that you can draw just a joy from and be able to acknowledge the darker days, the darker thoughts, but still find, uh, that, that blessing and that, uh, um, that, that joy there.
3: You know, I, I've, I've thought about it. Um, like if I, obviously like if tomorrow someone made it, you know, made me choose, like, do you, do you go back on stage to do comedy? Um, or do you just, are you with your wife and your son? I, I would choose them like without even, a second thought, you know, um, cause, because the, the enjoyment I get on stage of performing that that's its own separate, completely own thing. Like there's no way to get another feeling like that, but the, like the feeling I have for my wife and my son and the love and the care and just the joy that they bring me, that's, you know, a hundred times more than what I can get on stage. So, um, and
1: if you don't mind me saying, those seem to me to be absolutely appropriate priorities. You know, the relationship with your son and the relationship with your wife—that uh, is—that is irreplaceable. And there are just countless people that have made the opposite decision of that and sacrificed those things for chasing that feeling from stage or whatever else. And it, it, it does not leave people satisfied and fulfilled. Whereas the relationship prioritizing that and keeping that as the priority th- that, that, will have
3: lifelong benefits for you. And them. I, I have an older brother. He's like 16 years older than I am. Um, my parents were in their mid to late forties when they had me. So I grew up um, with basically grandparents. Like uh-huh. that's how the age my parents were. So um, I, I didn't have, like I didn't have a terrible upbringing or anything like that, but I didn't have like the normal, like, Oh, my dad's going to play catch with me. You know, my dad was in his late fifties when I was like, you know, 10 and 12 to yeah. start. So that wasn't the thing. Um, and I, even though they were in the house with me, both of them, a lot of times they were just like, Hey, we bought you a Nintendo. So just go play that. And, you know, with my son, even if he wants to like watch some weird show, like blip, like Blippy or something, like I want to watch it with him. I'm not just going to be like, all right, well, I'll just put you in front of the TV and, you know, see you later. Like, I want to, I'll watch that with him, you know, I'll be right there with him. And, um, you know, there, there's times where I think about like, wow, like th- this, this is, this is what it's supposed to be like, you know, like you're supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to be not around your parents. Your parents are supposed to be around you and, and, and be there for you. So for me, um, you know, my wife and, you know, my wife, Angela, and my son, Michael, like that, that's kept me going through all of this because without them, like there wouldn't be like, I, I wouldn't have any, any happiness or joy. Comedy brings me, you know, bursts of, of enjoyment, but you know exponential joy that is, that's totally them. Like, and, and obviously like any couple we have our ups and downs, but I I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it to not be around and not to be a thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, from, from the outside looking in uh, my friend, you're, you're doing good work. You're being a good dad. You're being a good husband and you are doing good work. You said earlier that some days you don't feel like you're doing enough that in and of itself is enough. That is a a primary drive, a primary calling in in your life. And, and just hearing you talk about it, uh, makes it very, very clear that you prioritize them. You love them and you're doing your best to serve them and, and, uh, raise them or raise him and probably be raised by her.
3: (laughs) I don't ever want my son to not, uh, I, I basically want to, I want it to be the point where my, when my son, as he gets older, I want him to almost be annoyed by the fact of how, how like in my, in, like in his business I am, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to be like, Hey, are you watching that show that you've always talked about? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm watching that show. Cool. <laughs> did they do that thing yet? Like they always do every episode. Yeah. They already did that thing. <laughs> <laughs> they already did the theme song, Dad. They always do the theme song. Oh, cool! All right. Well, have fun watching. I'm going to be sitting right here, uh, nearby. If you need anything, I'll, I'll be ten feet away from you. And that's and that is incredible.
1: You know, um, I, I have three kids that are that are grown, and they all are out of the house, and we all three have very engaged, dynamic, wonderful relationships. Uh, I mean, we we do family dinners over here uh, once a week, and it's not uncommon for them to come over the day before and the day after, just just to come hang out for a while. And you know, exactly like you're talking about having that integrated. And I mean, I've you know I've had some ups and downs, I've had some successes and failures, but that right there, the fact that my wife and I uh, still through some challenges uh, can trust and love each other. And that my kids, uh, and I, and and my wife, that we have that great relationship that supersedes any other measure of success, uh, at least in, in my book.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've seen so many movies where that was like the, the theme, you know, where, you know, it's family and, um, there's, there's, there's people I know, um, that i've seen you know also like chase the dream or you know they kind of had like they got to dip their toe in the dream for a bit and this is um these are people i know uh in the music world more um so than the comedy but you know they've had, like they had that taste and like feel like you know i just got to do this and do this and then like, get back to that I'm like but you already have so many great things yeah yeah
1: and it's and it's not to say that you can't have success and and you can't you know it's it's not all one or the other, um, you but it it can't ever be that in exchange for the family piece of it. Exactly. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nah. Anyway. Well, man, uh, again, I I can't tell you enough how much I enjoy your comedy. Um, I I just really love seeing you take chances and and get up there and really break the mold of what people are expecting and embrace those awkward moments and and turn it into an incredibly enjoyable experience for you and for the audience. That's that's incredible. I, I admire you for the priorities that you put on family and uh, for you being able to uh, keep keep pushing on and finding the uh the the good things even in in difficult times where anxiety and depression may uh threaten to uh to take take the joy away so i i commend you i i really look forward to the time that we can uh get together and and do a show together uh hopefully it'll be a clean comedy time showcase where we can have you on and and uh and just bring the house down
3: i i would look forward to that too i you know um I, I I want to thank both of you guys for, for letting me be a part of this. This is, uh, this, this has been a lot of fun and, um, it, it's, it's great to like, uh, to, to talk to people that I, you know, I don't get to talk to as, as much anymore. So it's, uh, it's felt great. This is, this has been amazing.
0: Oh, thank you, Derek. Uh, now comes the time when I got to ask you some even more difficult questions. Okay how can people get a hold of you? What's your preferred way for people to find out all about Derek Lee Feltner um, website, social media uh, carrier pigeon. What's, what's your favorite?
3: Um, You know, since I'm, I'm I'm a very visual type of uh, performer. um, If you just go to YouTube and type in my name in the search bar, Derek Lee Feltner, D E R E K L E E F E L T N E R. I think it's like the second, Thing that pops up is my YouTube channel. You can see all the videos I've done of uh, live performances, uh, including uh, the show that the clips are from uh, on the podcast today. Um, And there's also on my YouTube channel um, a series I made at the very beginning of the pandemic uh, called Water Heater Theater. Uh, (laughs) I filmed it in my basement. It was um, it's a collection of um, five performance videos of. Um, ideas that I had pretty pretty soon after the uh, pandemic started, um, just about you know um, everything from like the what I called like the worst open mic um, to something called the the keyboard on the floor to um, you know uh, the noise artist um, to you know, I had one that was called new jokes, which I think at the time was like stuff I had just like written, I think that day. Um, and then there's also a video on there called the drum set, which I'll let that one, I'll let you watch that. That's oh, oh. one of my favorite things I've ever done.
0: <laughs> well, I'll be sure to post uh, links to your uh, YouTube so that people don't even have to go searching for it. That'll be uh, follow along with the podcast. Uh, be on our uh, comedy time.com website and everywhere. So it'll be easy for people to uh, to find you on YouTube right from there.
3: And uh you can find me at uh Instagram, Derek Feltner1983. That's where most of my uh most of my stuff is done now. And then I also have a bandcamp, which is Derek Lee Feltner. You can just search bandcamp.com and then Derek Lee Feltner and it will pull up my uh the two tracks from the cassette tape that I put out uh in 2020. Excellent. Very cool.
0: Derek, thanks again so much for being on the show. Uh wonderful having you on the clean comedy time podcast
3: uh, thank you thank you uh brian thank you aaron i i really appreciate uh again being able to to do this and you know talk comedy and just um you know in a year full of repetitive things this felt really good to do something not um like oh it's time for for dinner because it's six o'clock it felt this felt great And I'm really happy that I got to talk to you guys.
1: Thanks for listening to the Clean Comedy Time podcast.
3: We
0: bring comedians together performing their clean material at showcases, fundraisers, and other events. Our
1: shows are free from coarse language and topics. They work for anyone, anywhere.
0: Check out cleancomedytime.com to find an upcoming show or to bring Clean Comedy Time to you.